Hello and welcome to the first episode of Intimate Animation, brought to you by the online animation magazine Squiggly.com. This series is about animation that takes on more specifically adult themes, so fair warning, there's some frank discussion ahead. Now on with the show! So hello, Squiggly audience. Welcome to a new podcast from Squiggly. It's uh, something new that we've been wanting to try for a little while now, branching out the animation podcast to cover some more areas, I guess, of animation, more specific areas. This is Ben Mitchell, and I'm joined by Squiggly Features writer Laura Beth Cowley. Hello, Laura. Hello. And so this podcast is going to be predominantly about themes of love and relationships and sex as uh, dealt with by the medium of animation. Because something that you and I have found, I think, in our sort of uh, collaborations together is that actually, contrary perhaps to what some would suspect, animation is actually a rather effective tool for that as subject matter. Yeah, it's surpri- I guess it is surprising. It, it really goes against that whole animation is just for kids point of view because mm. I have a good collection of films that really, really no kid should ever see. Yeah, we've been racking them up. Mm. <laughs> It's actually sort of amazing how much we have accrued without having to resort to, like, going to hentai or other subgenres of, you know, bizarre uh, <laughs> forms of narrative animation with really sort of complex mutations to, I don't know, bypass certain FCC laws or whatever the equivalents <laughs> are over there. But even within the uh, the sort of humble world of European independent animation or Western animation, American animation, I mean, it's generally, I think, best served by the world of independent animation. But certainly, uh, you know, smaller studios can produce some pretty uh, effective films on commission. So that's sort of outside of, I guess, what a lot of people would consider the parameters of indie animation. Some studios and directors have been very specifically commissioned to create, you know, films dealing with these kinds of themes, including our very first guest, uh, who was actually someone we spoke to a few years ago now, but we've not yet used, I think, the full audio from this interview, and I felt that she would be a very fitting first guest, because it's someone that everyone at Team Squiggly, I think, adores. I think we all are very, very fond of her work. It's Michaela Pavlatova, an animator from the Czech Republic, who a few years back won the Annecy Kristal for her short film Tram. Yeah, Tram was like the first film within this genre subsection of animation that I saw that started my kind of because I kind of have a hobby of like collecting weird animations mm-hmm. about like sex or women's issues or that kind of thing. I don't know to what avail. I just putting on screenings, forcing ex-flatmates to watch them. I don't really... Just to pop on when your parents are around. Just make all conversations stop immediately. But I saw Tram when I was in Lille, in France, as part of a, a showcase. I was in a festival there, and it came on as part of like a collection of films to sort of show. It was like a student festival. And it's not like overly raunchy, but to like my young student british sensibilities it was kind of raunchy all the french kids loved it they were all like pissing themselves laughing and then all the other english european students sort of squirming in the chair sort of like trying not to look directly at it but i loved it i was like fascinated by it and then from that point on i that's when i started to like collect (laughs) more of those kind of films Mm -hmm. i think that's round about the time i met you as well you're like here have loads (laughs) Yeah, I had a bit of a backlog myself, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Well, this is one. Of <laughs> <words>. <laughs> I 
I guess that's one of the things that uh, that initially bonded us, and I guess we knew that we would uh, work well together, was a sort of mutual enthusiasm. It's sort of telling what you just sort of described. Now, you said this was a student festival, um, but this wasn't a student film. Do you remember what the sort of context was of it being shown? Maybe it was like Best of France, or because it was the year that it was like made, like or it came out and was doing the film festival circuit. Because it was before, way before I interviewed her, that I went to this festival. So it must have been either. I think it was just doing the circuit, so it was just a film that was being entered into every festival at the time, and so it was just part of that. Because it also is its own festival. It's just geared towards students. Because oh, I see. So it's a separate category. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Zoom. It's not like a student film. But it's just, there was like screenings of all the different, because I was there as part of like an animation marathon. So there was lots of different universities from around Europe who were presenting and then they would all have a screening of their university's films. But then there were other masterclasses, there were some people from Pixar and other screenings to do just animation in general. It was also the very first festival I ever went to as well. Well, certainly, yeah, that was definitely a, a big year for that film. And as far as, I think, the way people received it, it was always an interesting conversation point. It's a film, essentially, that's about a woman who is a tram driver, not by any sort of... I think animation is kind of... it's What it has suffered from, I think, in the past when it comes to incorporating sex or adult themes into adult animation, is that it does tend to be more sort of slanted toward appealing toward a certain demographic so it's more about the sex appeal i suppose by sort of hollywood standards you'll see that in tv shows or even if it's presented as satire it'll generally be a a much more kind of mainstream depiction of sexuality that perhaps young teenage boys would be more receptive to another i think tremendous talent in the field of animation independently and you know she deals with sex quite a lot in her films with Sidney bauman and i recall Uh, A while back when we spoke to her, one of her sort of issues was, you know, being commissioned to create more films like the ones that she had created for her Teep Beat of Sex series. But ultimately what she delivered wasn't what they were after. They wanted stuff that was like titillation. Um, So Michaela's film was commissioned as part of a series of films by Sacre Bleu dealing with themes of sexuality and that kind of thing. Uh, I think hers sort of, I think it was probably the standout film Certainly a film that wasn't worried about or ashamed of what it was talking about. And it's incredibly sort of warm-hearted, very relatable, I'm sure, character to a lot of people. It's just a sort of everyday person, I guess, and the the fantasies that she indulges as she works through her workday. Yeah, it's good because it's it's different to what happens with a lot of sexual-themed animation where it's not documentarial which I, I like also, but it's nice to have a film that it's more uh, rhythmic and almost not like music based, but it's a lot more about rhythm and patterns and shapes and morphing and all those things that you like about animation. Like if you're doing something on an independent route that doesn't have to necessarily tell a linear narrative or, you know, get people to come and watch a film or anything. It's just really nice. It uses all those things that only animation can really do and get away with. And also the design style is nice because it's not clinical. It's very loose and illustrative, which I think helps. Because I think that being the major difference between animation and live action in terms of dealing with the subject matter of sex is that they don't have to be pretty. They don't have to be physically attractive, nor do they have to be really obese or 
unpleasant. It's a cartoon, so it she's neither attractive nor not attractive. She's just pink and squishy looking. So she doesn't fit into any box. Where I feel like if you were going to make like a live action version of this or a documentary or do like some sort of music video, if you were going to cast like an obese woman who is a bus driver, you'd be making a point. I don't know what the point would be, but like everyone has sexuality. I don't yeah, I think, and I think it's a point that perhaps needs to be made less in the world of animation it does seem like a more kind of natural thing in Mm. the context of this film and that in and of itself i think is a point worth making in that there's still something there's still a certain resistance i guess to the idea of unconventional less photogenic sexual characters existing in the world of live action it's mostly just a really fun film it's really fun and really entertaining really easy to watch I don't know if it was, obviously it was trying to make a point, but it's not like ram down your throat kind of point. It's just, it's one of those animations you can just watch and have a giggle at and it's a lot of fun. I remember at one point in the interview, she's telling us about how her daughter's really embarrassed by the fact that her mum makes these films. That was interesting. Yeah, I remember that. And it's, yeah, well, and I remember the sort of poignant reason. I mean, it sort of brings to mind some things that have been popping up on the news about like different generations' attitudes towards sex and what sex means to you at different times of your life. It's something that I think is a lot easier to be lacy fair about or satirical with or comedic or whimsical about as you get older and there's a certain inherent ludicrousness of it all. There's more comedy mileage in it, I suppose. You know, and that even still in a film like this which presents it in a very funny way, it's not to my eyes and I'm, I'm sure not to your eyes either. It's not disrespectful of sex and sexuality and of this woman's fantasies it's not like the joke is look at this woman she doesn't look like a supermodel and she's got a crap job you know she's having a sexual fantasy the nerve of her kind Mm. of thing she's not like the figure of ridicule she's actually someone that you feel a great deal of you know warmth toward yeah it sort of presents sex not in like a lewd way it sort of presented this as like really comfortable She's like an elderly female relative that, you know, you're like, oh. It does present something as, I think, more than like just a solo affair. It's, it's fantasies about other people and it becomes a sort of thing of like she's just sort of, she's, she's getting a little heated, yeah. I suppose. But the fantasies, they become quite abstract. It's sort of like seeing innuendos as well in everyday life. So like if you see someone who's like doing something quite mechanical like that, I don't know. They're stroking something, but they're doing it because they have to, like, operating a crane or something, and then all of a sudden in your head it goes, ah, and if you catch them at the wrong angle, it kind of looks a bit funny. So, yeah, the, the visual in- innuendos aren't particularly subtle. Oh, God, no. But I love, like, the glee that she takes from just the little things. It's sort of very briefly glimpsed, but things like the ticket going into the... the Slot. <laughs> <laughs> she's working the controls of this tram, and, you know, she's got her, you know... Yeah, she is. <laughs> But like you say, also the main sort of component of it that makes it, I think, a successful film, as far as like the technical side of things, is the attention to detail and the rhythm of it and the pacing of it. And like you say, it's not sort of it's music driven in the sense that the music absolutely sets the pace and the timing and the BPM. I don't think many people come away from it like in the first thing that's sort of in their heads is the score, but certainly yeah, that that pace of it and that rhythm of it, the way the rhythm sort of plays with the animation, the way the animation. Is sort of, you know, it's like every sort of bump in the road that then sort of sets off all her little sort of, you know, secondary and tertiary wobbles, 
as she's, mm-hmm. you know, and really sort of smooth and fluid and, you know, it extends to the passengers on the tram and all of that. And it's just a really, um, it's just a great film to sort of go back to, even though it's, you know, been doing the rounds for a few years. It's, I think, a great sort of starting point because it's one of those films that absolutely encapsulates what I think we've kind of set out to make a point of with this podcast is just how complementary the subject matter and the medium is. And timing, for example, you know, being such a crucial factor in both, sometimes <laughs> down to one twelfth of a second can make all the difference, you know. <laughs> so here's our interview with uh, Michaela from a couple of years back at the Bradford Festival, the penultimate, I think, Bradford Festival ever. So it was a while ago. This was, she was a, a special guest there and she did a retrospective of her other films. And her other films are absolutely great. She's got uh, Words, 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 which was, I think, Oscar nominated. That's about 25 years ago now. But still, it's, and it's out there. That's one to track down to because it's another one that uses a lot of the same kind. I mean, there's a certain quality of her work, the repetition of her work, that I think is something that's kind of uh, a mainstay throughout. She has another film called Repete, which I sort of got wind of. It's in. It's one of the case studies in Jane Pilling's book, uh, which is called Animating the Unconscious, and that's a pretty interesting study of. Uh, sexual themes in animation and the sort of uh, the recurring themes of that book and the sort of cyclical nature of like how it's about people who are sort of doomed to repeat the same mistakes if memory serves and that's sort of done quite effectively as well and sex is definitely a component of that i don't think it's quite as front and center in that film as they are in tram but it's another one definitely worth watching there's quite a lot of her stuff if you go into her website you know she does lots of like sort of not quite film films, they're more sort of like personal little things. She's done a whole bunch of little sort of mini shorts and flash and stuff like that. So this is Michaela who we caught up with at the penultimate Bradford Animation Festival. Can you tell us a little bit about how you first got involved in animation? I didn't uh, intend to study animation, but when I wanted to go to, uh, the, uh, to the academy to study um, after high school, which was an art high school, um, I wanted to continue and then uh, the like an illustration department or painting department of painting there was always the most people who wanted to go there and then was animation which uh, already needed some skills and uh, so then I have seen that I may sneak to the school through their door so I um, appeared to study animation without um, evaluating it much. Uh, but then uh, I soon discovered how great it is that independence which you have and uh, that um, creative feeling because you just uh, do everything like the God. It, uh, the word wouldn't exist without you. The word of animation and the word in your film would, wouldn't exist without you. So this is how I started with uh, animation. I started to like it uh, step by step more and more. A lot of your work is themed around sexual desire and the relationship between men and women. Mm-hmm. What is it about that situation that interests you? It interests me also in um, live action films. I am more interested in psychological films about situations between people more than in fantasy stories. And for me reality is the biggest inspiration. Uh, because you don't need to go far to get themes, it's only how you see it. Of course, that not everything which is in my films I experienced or not necessarily have seen that, but you can see 
some couple or some face and then you can make the stories you can invent the stories which are based on something real an event or yeah. a situation hmm. what inspired the situation of your newest film tram it was a little bit different case because it was a little kind of commissioned work because of the French producer Sacre Bleu uh, wanted to make a feature film uh, consisting from short films made by women about women or erotical fantasies. So they emailed to different women filmmakers and I was one of them and it happened that my film was done first like the kind of pilot film for the whole project. So inspiration came from them to make something about uh, women erotical fantasies, but which sounds funny and easy, but it is not so easy to, to come with a story. I could come with uh, many ideas, but to make the story, which would be for five minutes, it's, it was much harder. And uh, when I don't know where to go, so then very often the inspiration is the music for me, that I'm listening to the music with the closed eyes and trying to see the film inside. And uh, so I knew that, I just knew that it has, that I want to make something funny. Not erotical so much, but make more fun of it. And uh, then I have a couple of my favorite soundtracks from another films, from different films, which I'm listening to them as an inspiration. So I was listening to one of them and uh, then I have got the idea of, of Tram and the Tram Driver. Okay. Was the Tram Driver main character inspired by anyone particular or was it just for the story? No, she is just a symbol of a normal, ordinary woman. It is not inspired by any particular person, but it is inspired by most of the tram drivers, many of them seem to look the same, like middle-aged women, a little bit overweight, driving the tram, and then you think, what a joy they may have in their minds, um, in their fantasies. So tram is doing really well in the festivals, what kind of reactions have you got from audiences? Any of them been surprising? Or? It was interesting that on the beginning all reactions were superb because it was premiered in France in Cannes Film Festival then it was in Annecy where it uh, received main awards and then it was in a couple of other festivals and again it received many awards on the beginning because it worked like the shock for for two remembers and then like a couple of months later after the film already was running on the festivals I started to get uh, the, um, the questions um, if somebody complained or what people say because it is um, about sexuality and I was surprised because I never thought that it's sexual I thought I somehow forgot that it's sexual because for me it was rhythmical and funny <laughs> and also in France in France people are much more open to accept these themes because it is part of their culture. <laughs> but then I have got, um, I, I have noticed already in ANSI that there are some kind of people who don't appreciate it that much and they are young people, hmm. uh, and especially young male, because they feel, or young people, young girls between, but mostly men, between uh, 
11, 20 to 25 years. Because for them, sexuality is a decent theme. It's a theme, it's something which is the most important for them at that time. They, they are somehow not able to make fun of it. And um, our daughter, who is 20, she was watching it with her friends. And I was in the separate room and then they, I'm always listening and I know the reaction. So I know this is this minute of the film. Yes, now they are laughing because of there is this kitten. There was silence. And then they all were leaving the room, her schoolmates, and they all were like trying not, not to see me and, and go out. And then Alva, our daughter, she said, so I told her, so, no fun, right? No, I didn't amuse you. And she said, you know, it is difficult for us because you are ridiculizing something which is serious for us. Hmm. So then I found that, uh, but of course there is many different people. So sometimes older people are offended. Sometimes the older, oldest people are the biggest fun of it. Fans of it. It's case from case because always making something about sexuality, people are not judging your film. But they are judging if you are crossing that line of decency or not. Uh, they are seeing it from the different perspective. They are more questioning uh, the portion of sexuality than the film itself. Hmm. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the techniques you used to make the film? This was simple technique. Uh, it was um, it was done. I have animated the film in flash, um, having it on the many layers because everything. First, I thought I will be quickly done because there is only one driver and uh, and the men in tram who all of them will be the same, <laughs> same type. And then I found that it's not so easy uh, because uh, everything is everything is going and, and hopping and uh, so it is hopping like one after another like uh, her body is divided to like each element like head her right breast left breast her butt uh, her legs the tramp each is on the separated level because they jump one against another it was it's not easy to synchronize it to make the feeling of, of jumping Ah, okay. So it was for me very difficult, although it's only one woman and the same man driving. And then afterwards it was um, just put on the Photoshop, no, on After Effects, and they were these effects of uh, structure were added to it. Of texture. Texture. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Sacrible Productions and how how they, well, I know they came to you to ask to be part of it, but... So there is one wonderful, charming woman who is like an artistic director and she is originally a film editor and photographer. And she came with the idea to make animation films about women, erotical fantasies of women. She had no idea about how animation is made. And she came to... Annecy Film Festival, like, ver like Virgin, this field, just asking people to be introduced to another and another, and uh, to be introduced to some uh, producer, which I think is fantastic that she 
she got this idea and she recognized that it will be the easiest to make it an animation because in a live action nobody would want to see it. Um, so they are working with the French teams and directors as well as sometimes they just uh, ask someone from abroad to make a film. And um, I hope them to be very successful. Um, there was also an interactive comic book that went alongside Sackblood to follow the tram conductor's way to San Francisco for the festival, I believe. How involved were you with that? Uh, on Facebook. Mm -hmm. uh, not much. They, they drew it. It was their invention sometimes. Uh, they just tried to do it. Uh, I gave them permission to do it because I didn't have time and they just needed to have it immediately. Okay. But this is nice that you have noticed because not so many people have noticed that. Or I thought that not so many people know about it. But it was nice that it, if I would have time, I would just love to make interactive everything about her. I would I would make her a virtual home and, and to show her bedroom and to show her living room and to show her daily life. Uh, like with the film Lila, which I also thought that I can do that. But then you find that um, it, it would be nice game for me, nice uh, way how to spend life, but that... Uh, She'd it's make better to make some more useful things. She'd make a really good app, wouldn't she? Like a, a good game for like yeah, I would interactive devices. This would be for me joy to do that. <laughs> Maybe in the future. Yeah. The film's been picked up by quite a lot of female-only festivals. How do you feel about those as in general? <laughs> Actually, well it is our film. big advantage because we can send our film to the female festivals and uh, as well as uh, all other festivals. Um, I'm not a big fan of female film festivals unless they invited me to be in the jury and it is nice to be on some of them like in uh, Tricky Women in Vienna. Mm -hmm. But uh, then I realized that because sometimes I think why to see only part of the films? I want to see all films or I want to see best films. I don't want to see only women's films. Mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes it makes sense. But more in um, live action films because in animation films, women are daring to do anything and because the budget is not so big, so there is many women making animation films. Uh, but if you see in live action films, there is not so many uh, women. They are some, but usually big budgets are given to, to men because they somehow think that men will be better to deal better with films. Mm. With with the big budgets, so for me it's I found that I enjoy going to women film festivals because uh, they are films seen from women point of view, which which I like. I always I just I know that probably I make films for women because there are always more women coming to me afterwards. But um, I would wish that um, it would communicate with everyone. Mm. What are you working on now, or what are you planning to work on next? Uh, at the moment, I'm struggling with um, writing new and new versions of uh, live-action films. As I have mentioned, that I directed two, two of them. They were normal, serious live-action films. Where I was a director only, and I rewrote the script, but the script was originally written by someone else. Uh, and this time, I decided there was no animation in it, and they were kind of social drama films, kind of like artsy films for film cops. Uh, 
and um, now I thought that I want to make something, to write something by myself and to put there some animation and to make it more funny. And it's so difficult because especially if you are from, if your background is in short films, yeah. in my mind there is something short, short thinking. I'm able, for me it's easier to think in short episodes. Um, but to have one film when you have to have the story which is interesting the whole if you don't want to make it episodical and I didn't want to uh, so then it's it's not easy to do it and then because there is a big responsibility and the big budget and we have part of it but not all of it so the producer also have his and her demands so this is one thing and another is uh, like three projects which I'm animation projects which I'm working on but I'm not so convinced about about them you know if you are in too many juries like me as that you remember and if you have seen too many films then uh, you always start something and then you think hmm that would be only normal film I come up with the idea and immediately as a juror or teacher because I'm also teaching I say like no this not, this is not good so I'm over critical to myself but yet I love animating so I keep working on this project one is about Kafka and one is about body language and then is one about uh, relationships about dating but who knows maybe I will finish them maybe not <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. So that was Michaela Pavlatova talking to Laura Beth at Bradford a couple of years ago. One of our favourites, I think you'd agree. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, both as a filmmaker and, and that specific film. It's one of those films that actually, uh, I believe, is still sort of proving a bit elusive as far as being available online or being available to buy. It's still kind of in that uh, limbo. So one hopes that you know, it will get a release of some kind or other in the near future, because it's definitely a film that is worth the time and effort to track down. As it turns out, it is still doing festivals. It will be at this year's Fantoche in Baden in Switzerland. That takes place as part of the screening Love and Other Human Emotions. That'll be on the 8th, 9th, and 11th of September. Visit fantoche.ch for more information. In fact, if you do happen to be at Fantoche this year, guess what? My film Clementhrow will be playing there as well as part of the screening Bagno Popolare, or Popolaire, I'm not sure, but it's, uh, it looks like an interesting screening. It's actually taking place in an outdoor thermally heated pool alongside other water-themed films. Swish. That's fancy. Damn straight. Uh, other films include Julia Potts' Belly, Bars by Tomek Duki, and uh, Virtuos Virtuel by Thomas Stelmach and Maya Oshman, which is one of the case studies, actually, in my new book, mm. Independent Animation, which uh, is sort of out now. <laughs> I've not actually seen it yet. It's an ongoing saga, but I believe it will be with us soon if you've not yet received a copy. I believe it's on its way. And you can visit MichaelaPavlatova.com for more information on her and her work, of course. Well, Laura Beth, thank you very much for joining me in this inaugural new podcast series. Thank you. And we'll be bringing you these, I hope, semi-regularly, alongside the regular Squiggly podcast, of course. I think maybe we'll try and alternate for the first little while, and then we'll see how it goes from there. But we're hoping to have this be, at the very least, a sort of mini-series, and then maybe build on it. So thank you very much for joining us in episode one, and uh, hopefully see you again soon. <laughs>